Today we're going to talk about the prosperity test. Uh, we've been doing this uh, series called From Dream to Destiny. We're in the, uh, this is the eighth week actually. And so we have two more uh, sermons left. Next Sunday uh, we'll have our guest uh, John Yates in. It's next Sunday, right? The 14th, yeah. John Yates will be in from uh, Life uh, Outreach, a uh, ministry that we partner with, and they do lots of great things. But in this series, we're looking at the life of Joseph, and right now, William has actually been uh, going through the life of Joseph in Genesis on Wednesday nights in our Bible studies, and uh, we're looking at his life, and from the age of 17 to the age of 30, we're looking at 10 tests that he went through that God wanted him to go through, that God could prepare him to do uh, what he called him to do. And, and just like Joseph, whether you have uh, realized it yet or not, God has a dream for your life, and that dream is, to, is, is, a, is, a, is a desire and a picture that leads you into the destiny that he created you for. Uh, and, and I think a lot of us, you know, we don't, you know, I, don't, I can't tell you the scale of this destiny or whatever, but God created you for a purpose, to be a part of his body, to serve and to build the kingdom of God uh, alongside with your brothers and sisters. And, and like this song says, it's, we got to do something. Uh, it, it's not going to happen until we step up and begin to, to walk in what God has called us to do. Uh, so today we're talking about the prosperity test. And, and I want to say this about the word prosperity. I believe God wants us to prosper, but I believe he wants us to prosper for his purposes. I believe what today has been portrayed as the prosperity gospel is wrongfully taught in a lot of places, and you have to have an understanding about it. But what it comes down to is this, is, is the prosperity test is this, is that when God gives you and blesses you with resources, do you serve him with those resources, or do you try to, you try to store them up on earth where the Bible says what will happen to them? They're, they're, they're going to they're perish. It says, or do you, are you going to tr- store your treasures in heaven where they're safe, where they're protected, but also when you find yourself in need on this earth, where's that, where, where is your, your, your storing up at? It's in, it's in heaven. The, the God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills, he's got enough resources to take care of your needs when you've been faithful to do what he's asked you to do. And so in Genesis 41, verse 33 we're going to begin there, and we know this, that Joseph was in prison, and they, they called him out to interpret a dream that Pharaoh had. And basically, Pharaoh's dream, uh, interpreted, said that we're going to have seven years of plentiful. How many of you like those plentiful years? Boy, everybody likes it when, you know, the, the gas prices are good, and there's work to be done, and, and all that, but nobody likes the famine years, you know, when the work slowed down. And uh, when, uh, you know, the, when things aren't ideal or comfortable. But here's the deal. I've learned this. It, it really doesn't matter what the, the financial climate is of the nation. Uh, I have somebody else that I depend on. In good times, in bad times, in any time, I can trust God to meet my needs, to take care of me. And, 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 I, and I believe this. I'm not too... Take every dime that comes my way and, and spend it on me and invest in me and to save and store up and hoard it. But I'm to use it as God has called me to use it day by day. And, and what you have to understand is this, is a lot of people think that prosperity, okay, it's about storing up, storing up. No, it's about living like the children of Israel. 
They got up each day, and God gave them manna, and he gave them water, and he said, take no more than what you need for right now. They took what they needed, and, and, and we'll see in a minute what happened to those that tried to take too much. But in, uh, in Genesis 41, verse 33, it says this. It says, now therefore let Pharaoh, this is uh, Joseph telling Pharaoh what to do and how to prepare now, now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years and let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. It says, thou, that, that food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt, so that the land may not perish through the famine. And so what, what Joseph has, this is really the, the task that, that God has created Joseph for. Because not only did he interpret the dream, but God prepared him to handle the dream when it was interpreted, to do something about it. To, to know what to do about, okay, we got seven good years here, and we got seven years of famine, so we're going to bring, our, we're gonna bring the, the excess to where? The storehouse. At this, you know, we're talking about Egypt's storehouse. And, and we're going to see this word storehouse come up again uh, in a context that applies to us today. Now go to Malachi chapter 3. So Joseph, you know, had to show himself to be a good steward. Now, when you think about it, stewardship is what? It's management. It's use of. It's, it's the distribution of. It's taking care of. And we see the, the, uh, the parable of the talents uh, where Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. A master goes away and he leaves his servants in charge and he comes back and he does what? He judges them according to what they had done for his kingdom. And, and who, who is responsible right now? to minister to people, to give, to share the gospel, to do the works that Jesus equipped us to do. And also, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Man, God, worship was, was good today. Uh, during worship, I'm just, I was just so overwhelmed. Uh, what was the song we were singing about the nations? After you, Let your glory fall in this room. And just, and just as we gather to seek your face... And then Dusty, the, the word that he gave, I mean, he, I mean I, we totally understand where he talks about, about hunting. I remember when I got out of the Marine Corps, I hadn't hunted for four years, and I was dead set on hunting, and I've learned, and, and I've had those days where I put hunting above God, and I would sit in the stand and, and, and just be like, deer were like not showing up, and you know, and it's like the harder I tried, the, the worse it got. But when I put God in my life, it's like my hunts were a lot better. Because I was, I was more concerned about God. And when I went hunting, I was like, God, it really don't matter if I kill anything or not. I'm just here to have fun. But what's more important is that I love and serve you. And uh, I was just thinking about his goodness during worship. I was thinking about how, how messed up I am. And how God loved me anyway. And, and all the things that I've done. And, and how God still, and while I was yet a sinner, Christ still died for me. And um, so in Malachi... Chapter uh, 3, verse 8, and, and y'all have heard this a lot, if you've been in church any time. But Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, it says, Will a man rob God? 
Yet you are robbing me, but you say, how have we robbed you? Now, Malachi, there's three things that it talks about in these, in these, in these three chapters, or four chapters, and, it's, and it's, it's a rebuke against Israel, and there's three things. First of all, the, the ministers were not taking care of the flock. They were being self-serving. Uh, they, were, they, were, they were not walking in integrity, so he was rebuking the ministers. He was rebuking people for not trusting him with their, with their resources. And then he also rebukes uh, uh, the, the, the husbands for, for leaving their wives and not taking love. So it's like ministry, money, and marriage is like the three big things in Malachi. And, uh, and, and when you think about it, these were three pretty heavy things. And, and ministry, not just to pastors, but we all are called to be ministers. Ephesians 4 says that we're all to be equipped to be ministers. Equipped by the church, and we're all to be giving and trusting God with our resources, and we're all to be, you know, uh, uh, godly husbands and godly wives and godly families. And so these are three uh, very important aspects of our lives. But Malachi 3 says, will a, will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me, but you say, how have we robbed you? And he says, in your tithes and contributions. I remember, uh, how many of you have, have actually read the book or seen the video of the blessed life, we've got people that have even seen it here and seen it in other places. It's a pretty popular book, and, and and it's cool to say that Robert taught that from well the stage when it was there, before he even wrote the book, and and it's something that he instilled in our church years ago before we even knew him. Though my father was a giver, he was a tither, he trusted. I mean, we we lived the life of faith where we have no gas, but we're going to give anyway, and and for somehow our needs were met. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that, you know, this big, you know, golden limousine showed up, but God met our needs as they came. And, and so, uh, but I, I didn't know that there was tithes and offerings until I got older. That's two different things. And uh, he says, in your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. How much of it? The full. What, what's a full tithe? Ten percent. But even more specifically, the ten, which ten percent? The first, right? We know that the Bible teaches the first, and we'll talk about that a little bit more also. It says, uh, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. So, so, so God says what? Test me. Prove me. Try me in this. And uh, he says, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you. For who? For you. He says, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soul, and, and your vine and your field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. And so God, God here gives a, 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 a principle, a promise, that's saying, hey, you give the tithes, and gives the offerings, and, and I mean, this here is, is a series. I mean, my goodness, it's a book. You know, we, I think at the beginning of the year, we... We actually uh, showed the video on Wednesday nights, The Blessed Life, because it had been a while that we had discussed it. And I can tell you right now, I've heard so many testimonies. You know, I assume that, well, we've toddled on giving a lot, so everybody knows about it. But the Lord put it on my heart, show this video. And I said, okay, so we showed the video. How long was that video? Like five or six weeks? And the offering, I, the offering went up like immediately. And people begin to just in the in the in the in the wires just talk about my goodness. 
I tried God, I tested him, and he proved himself faithful. I'd be dead gum. Who'd have thought such a thing? You know, that God is not a liar. And, and, and so many people struggle with this. You know what's funny? Even when I was a heathen in the Marine Corps, uh, I, was, I, would still, I would still, like when Christy would go to church, and I didn't want to, I would still make sure that she took the tithe. I didn't want nothing to do with God at the moment, but I wanted to take care of my money. Now, I, my, my, my thinking was all messed up, and my heart was not right. But even when I was a heathen doing my own thing, I, I didn't have a problem with it. But most Christians today in churches have a problem with giving to God. I'm like, really? You know, we, 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 we want this practical but unreal version of being a Christian. I'm telling you what, it, there ain't, you, you cannot live the Christian faith without faith. You can't do it. It's impossible. The Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. Why? Because you've got to have faith to do what the Word of God says, trusting God that He's going to do what He says if you do what He tells you to do. I mean, how in the heck are you going to pull it off? And what we do is we come to church once a week, and we think, okay, I'm, I'm good. And once again, we go to this legalistic mentality of earning brownie points when you can't earn brownie points because you ain't good enough. You're nasty. When it comes to, when it comes to Jesus, you're You're nothing. What, but what's neat is this, is that when we put our faith in Jesus, he imputes our righteousness upon us, just like he did Abraham because he had faith. And, and he said, hey, I'm going to believe in God and what he said. And a lot of people say, man, churches talk too much about money, which we, we probably hit it once a year. But, you know, we talk, I tell you what, we, every, every time we give an offering, we believe it's a good time to say, hey, this is why we do it, and, 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 and this is why we believe in it. And, and here's the, the results of us believing in it. But you know, if Jesus spoke on prayer 500 times and faith 500 times, but he spoke on money over 2,000 times, what do you think the point is? Money's a big deal in the Christian walk. Money is a very big deal. I was listening to a country song yesterday, and of course they messed it up. Don't get your theology from a country song, all right? Matter of fact, don't even get good wisdom from a country song. Some of them you can, all right? But, uh, you know, what's the new one? You know, bar stools and diamond rings and all that stuff? I don't know. But, I mean, they, it's got a good tune and all that stuff. But, hey, we don't, we've all done live some of that stuff, right? And isn't it funny some of the stuff we still sing? And, and, but when we think about what we're saying, we're like, God, that's just absurdly stupid. I should know better of all people. But, but there was a song uh, about the boat, right? You know, money can't buy happiness, but it can buy you a boat, right? And, and he said something, I, he goes, I've heard it said that money is the root of all evil, you know. And, and, and he said, uh, it was something else he said, but, he, you know, he's trying to throw some scripture in there. Because you've got to have the Jesus effect in the country song, right? Because like Eddie Murphy said, everybody loves Jesus. And, uh, you know, and he's trying to justify the Baptist being able to listen to country music because he quoted a scripture in there. And, uh, but me, I listen to whatever the heck I feel like, it, you know, as long as it don't dishonor God and, uh, you know, object my conscience. But... But, uh, but he said, money's the root of all evil. But is that what the Word says? What does the Word say? The love of money is the root of all evil. Because I don't know if you know it or not, next, next time you go to Walmart, try to go in there and just tell them you love Jesus and see what they give you for it. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> and if you try to take it, then they'll have a representative come and they'll take it back and you and whatever else you got. Uh, so... 
the love of money is the root of all evil. But just, just kind of in the, in the general scheme of things, to kind of overview the blessed life and what most of us has been through. But if you haven't, get the book, get the DVD, go online and watch it for free. I mean, it's out there. It's accessible. And, and to me, it's like one of the greatest teachings that opens so many eyes of people that don't really understand tithing and giving. But, but, but it says this, is that, you know, the, the Bible, it says that the, the, the first belongs to God. How many of you know that? Not only, not only the first of, of your resources, but your, even in, in the Old Testament, the firstborn of anything belonged to God. If you had a, if you had a firstborn donkey, then that donkey had to be uh, uh, given in the form of either, if it was a clean animal, you had to sacrifice it. If it was an unclean animal, you had to redeem it with a clean animal, which was what? A sheep. Man, them sheep had to pay for everybody's problems. You know? If you had a firstborn, if you had a firstborn child you had to redeem it with a lamb my goodness they, they had to have tons of lambs because lambs you know they, you had to sacrifice a lamb for everything else that wasn't lamb basic for the most part you know to to redeem it and uh but here's the deal you know uh let me read this in exodus 13 1 through 2 it says the lord said to moses consecrate to me all the firstborn and he says whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of israel both of man and of beast, is mine. Now, if God claims something, what does that make it? That makes it his. See, this is where the t- this, this why there's a difference between a tithe and an offering, because if God has claimed it, it's his. Now, if, if I borrowed William's you know, pocket knife, and then, and then I come up to him and say, hey, I want to give you this pocket knife. Well, I can't give it to him because it's his. He, he, he let me borrow it, you know. So, I mean, there's no giving someone what is theirs. It's like somebody borrowing your car, and they come back and say, hey, I want to give you back your car. No, you're returning my car because I'm paying the note on it. You know, that's kind of how this thing works. Exodus 23:19 it says, The best of your first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Where? To the house? Uh, are you... So this is another thing. Where, where do we bring our tithes and offerings? To the storehouse. Now, offerings could include things that you do outside of the church, but where's your tithe go? To your house, to your storehouse, to the house of the Lord. Not a not a uh, cloth on you know, the AM radio when you're driving down the road. I remember go, listening to the anointed, okay? I had to change it up there. Uh, when we were de- traveling when I was a kid, That'd be an evangelist, you know, saying, send, send uh, $3 and I'll send you an anointed prayer cloth, you know. And I'm like, dude, I got some oil. I could do that myself, you know. But, but uh, you know, there, there's all these people. I mean, there's, there's people everywhere asking for money. And there's some places that need it, you know. And, and we need to be attentive. I mean, we send money to Compassion International for a, a, a little girl in India. We've been doing that for, God, years, you know. And it's just something that just... It's automatically deducted, and I never think about it. But my tithes goes to the church, and my offerings go to the church. Uh, Leviticus 27, 30, it says, Every tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It's holy unto the Lord. So God owns what? The first. And so we, we, we see this principle in here, and a lot of people go, well, that's a, a law thing, but I, I want to remind you of this, is that, Tithing happened even before it was a command at Sinai. Abraham made a tithe to Melchizedek. Uh, 
uh, Cain and Abel. Well, one of them gave a tithe, and we'll see that in a moment. Uh, Jacob, it said, gave a tenth unto the Lord for blessing him. And, and, and all it was was this, is it was an outward sign to say, I trust you, I thank you, I, 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 I honor you as the one who provides for me, who takes care of me, who, am I, who I am to fear over man and, and my job and everything in this world, knowing that you are the one in control and that you're the one that I am to trust. You see, we, we want to say that we have faith, but we don't want to demonstrate any measurable way in our life to say that we have faith. I mean, we all, how many of you are married? How many of you tried to tell your wife that you love her without showing it? She don't buy that. She doesn't buy that. You, you've got to do something. I mean, wouldn't it be nice? I think, you know, in, in men, I mean, we, we do. We, we come to church, we don't want to give, and we don't want to buy our wives things, and we don't show her that we love her. What we have to understand is love is a demonstrative thing. It has to be shown. Uh, and, and the thing of it is, is whether you admit it or not, it is shown. If you look at a man's checkbook, you can see what he's passionate about. You can see what he's in love with. You, if you look at a man's uh, uh, calendar book, you can see what he's in love with. Whatever, whatever we serve the most, whatever we, we, we put center above all things in our time and with our treasures, that shows what we are all about. It shows what we're passionate about in our hearts. But, the, but the God says this, the first belongs to Him. And, and the New Testament, which we're going to go into in a moment, the New Testament says a lot about giving. Nowhere did Je- you know, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. And He says, you give a tithe. And he says, and he says, but you're you're giving these tithes. He says, but you're not giving the things that you ought to mercy and love. He says, he says, but the former you what ought to do as well. So even Jesus says you need to do those things, but don't do them with wrong motives or wrong actions. What kind? How should we give? With cheerfully, the Bible says. So the first belongs to God, and also the first must be given. I guarantee you, there's people they 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 never give. But they say, God, you know you have my money. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you ever, you ever, I mean, you could, you could say that in any situation. How many of you got somebody that says they love you, but they never have anything to do with you? How many people do you know say, I love you, but there's never been any kind of demonstration of that love? Never. Never. You know, Dad said this, what, two Sundays ago. How can we say that we love God whom we have not seen if we, if we don't love our brothers whom we have seen? Hmm. The Bible says we say we love God but don't love our brother that we're a liar and the truth is not in us. Now, that, that right there could be a good, that, that's not the point of this message today, but that's a good tuner-upper right there to your heart to say, hey, when I tell somebody I love them, do I really mean it? You know, do you really mean it when you say you love people? Or do you use that as just a little... You know, what we do is we, we use that word just so flippantly, and we come in here with a flippant attitude towards a holy God, and we wonder why we have a flippant, you know, spiritual walk, and, you know, we're not, you know, uh, growing in the Lord because we just have a flippant attitude towards love and the demonstration of it. Now, you can't have a good relationship with God if you don't have a good relationship with God's people. Because he, he says they're one and the same. We are a family. We're a body. We're a community. 
we're a, we're, a, we're, a, we're a group of people. No matter what people say about us, we're, that's who we are. We're the body of Christ. But not only does the first belong to God, it must be given. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. So what's the promise here? Give and I'll bless you and I'll take care of your needs. Genesis 4, 3 through 5, we're going back to Cain and Abel. And, and I, I remember Robert, I learned this from Robert years ago. And, you know, and, you know when I was a kid, it, I thought God liked meat and hated vegetables. I thought that's what was, we had in common. I didn't eat vegetables growing up. I ate lots of meat and potatoes. I do like potatoes. And, uh, but apparently they're not good for you. Christy says they're starchy. And you can't eat potatoes and macaroni at the same time. Apparently that's in the Bible somewhere. Too much starches. She used to drive me her crazy when we got married. I'd want, I'd want french fries and, and uh, macaroni. You can't do that. Yes, I can. I mean, look, I, 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 done, I done switch from Coke to Dr. Pepper and from Crest to Colgate, okay? You know, I'm, I'm changing here. She's already changed all, you know, I don't, I don't even eat, eat Miracle Whip anymore. I eat mayonnaise, you know? I shave once a month for her. I mean, what, what, else, what else can I do to show my love? And... Uh, but I still like macaroni and french fries at the same time. We go to Mama Jack's, I do it. And uh, so, so, but the first must be given. And we, we go back to, to, to Cain and Abel. And, the, the, and let's, read, let's read this passage here in Genesis 4, 3 through 5. It says, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering. In other words, how long did it take Cain to bring him his offering? A, a little while. And did it, does it say that it's his first fruits? No. He just he, he brought an offering. And, and a lot of people, we, we, bring, we bring God some chump chains, and we, we, you know, we, we nickel and dime God to death and think we're really doing something great. And it says, But he brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And it says, And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock. So it specifically says that Abel brought the firstborn. Now what does God say was his and that he wanted? The firstborn. And he says this. It says, uh, and their fat portions. He even gave them some fat portions. Mm. See, I like fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. That was not nice of, of God. And so Cain was very angry and his face fell. <clears throat> and you know what God has to say that? Does it do you any good to be angry? The same thing he says to Jonah, who disobeyed him and did what he wanted to do. God loves you, but he don't, he, don't, he don't really care for your pouting much. And pouting doesn't change the truth, and pouting doesn't... Oh, there will be a lot of people pouting when Jesus returns, but you're either going to be in Christ or outside of Christ. And the rules aren't going to change because of your pouting. And, and, so, and so what we see here is that God had regard for Abel's offering because it was the firstborn where Cain brought God the leftovers of his crops. You see, it, and it's very understandable, when be, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You know, does it make sense to give your firstborn or maybe the tenth one later? Because after you've had ten sheep, well, you've, you've got ten sheep. You've, you've got good use out of that mothering, you know, sheep. But if you give the firstborn, man, that's a crapshoot, Right? This doesn't make sense to the, to the everyday farmer. It takes something like faith to trust that you're going to be provided and cared for even though you're giving the best lamb 
out of out of you know out of out of your herd. It takes faith. And and every every week when we come in here and we give up here and 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 we're we're taking the prosperity test every week. Every week we take it to come up here and say, God, I am trusting you. God, I am trusting you. You know, Christy and I, we we years ago we committed to do a twenty percent tithe and offering, and that, that that that's just that actually that's just our tithe. I mean, we that's what the Lord put on our heart. We've been doing this for years, and that doesn't include other things that we do. But we we just felt like God put that on our heart, and 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 sometimes you know I'll be like, man, I, I think how can. I'll, 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 I'll be thinking about somebody and, and some of the stuff they got. I'm like, wait, we probably make about the same. How do they, what do they got? Something? And I go, oh, wait, they don't give. But here's the deal. It's, it's going to come out at some point or another because it belongs to God. But here's the deal. Giving is a sacrifice. I'm okay with that. We, we have chosen that this is the, the life we're going to live. But here's the deal. When, 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 uh, when, when, Cammy needs teeth pulled out, the money's there. When, when I have a need, the money's there. Somehow, some way. And the thing is, is God doesn't make like a secret deposit into my account. I don't wake up and say, look at there, there's $3,000. It just came out of nowhere in my account. But other people give when God puts upon their heart. Or God like suckers the bill collectors and messes up their computers. I've seen crazy stuff. You know, I've, I've had hospital bills and call the hospital and be like, you know, like after a couple of months, you don't see a bill, and you're like, I know it's coming. And I'm a pretty anxious, impatient person. I'm like, I want my bill now. I want to know what the heck I'm expecting. You know, like, like I'm, if I'm going to be beaten, I want it now. I don't want to wait. I don't like anticipation. That was the worst part of my life, waiting for Dad to get home, tearing my butt up. I'm like, my God, let's get this over with, you know. When I work, I work fast and hard because I hate, work, I hate, I hate killing myself. I want to get it over with because I'm going to sit on the couch, you know, and rest. But, uh... But, you know, you, you, you learn to trust God. God is not a liar. You give, God will bless you. God will take care of you. He'll meet your needs. And so, uh, third thing is this, is, you know, when, when, we, when we trust God, we can trust God with the rest. When you give the first, you can trust Him with the rest. That's what it says in Malachi. He says, even test me and prove me in this. See if I will not pour uh, upon you a blessing that you cannot contain. Second uh, Corinthians nine six through seven, this is New Testament for those of you that don't believe in the Old Testament. Says the point is this: whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. So if you give chump change, what are you going to get? Chump change. It says it says, uh, and whosoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as his heart as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. You see, you're not, you're not to be forced to do anything. You should have a relationship with God where you say, God, what do you want me to give? And that's what I love about this church. So many times we've had needs come up like that. We've had um, many women, I mean, you know, need, need some type of surgery or, or, or people need some type of, have some type of need. Usually it's medical because you, you don't want to mess around with that, right? You want to kind of take care of it now. I mean, if you can, if you can alleviate somebody's pain now, why wait, right? But it's so awesome to bring people up here and say, "Hey, this this person is is, is in a bind and they need a procedure." That if we today just 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 ask God, say, "God, what do you want me to give?" And here's the deal: God won't ask you to do nothing you can't do, and and, and we shouldn't give any more or any less than what God asks us to give. 
But it's so awesome to see people just honor God and faithfully respond to God. We take up the offering, and it meets the needs of the person to go. See, we don't, we don't do secret operations benevolence around here. We, you know, when somebody has a major need, I mean, we do light bills and whatnot, you know, during the week, but, but when somebody has a major need, I think it's important not just so that everybody can identify with this person and say, hey, man, we need to, we need to pray for them. We need to hurt for them. We need to care for them. And how many people have been up here and received help from the church at one time or another? I mean, it, a lot of people here. You know, and, it's just, and it just shows that, hey, we're a community. You know, and, and, the, and the Church of Acts has said that they, they were selling their lands and their, position, their possessions, and they were bringing the, the money and laying it at the apostles' feet, saying, hey, this is to the church. I'm good to go at home. I've got what I need. This is for the church and for the ministry of the church, for taking care of the widows, for taking care of the ministry, for sending to churches overseas that need help and are being persecuted at the moment. And that being said, in 2 Corinthians 8, 13 through 15, Paul is talking about the church in Macedonia. And the church in Macedonia was actually poverty. They, were, they, they didn't have a lot of money. But they were so insistent to give to the churches that were being persecuted in Jerusalem. And Paul says this. He says, not only are they giving, but they're giving above and beyond. And, uh, and, and this is what he says. He says, for I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. I'm going to tell you this. If you really want to get in a good way, be jealous or greedy when somebody else is getting blessed. That's not a good way for God to bless you. It is not. Because the deal is, it really has nothing to do with the money. It has to do with our hearts and our actions towards one another, those in need. And this is what Paul says. He says, I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. So Paul says, look, this isn't about you having and you being burdened all the time for somebody else that has need. He says, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time. How many of you have had, ever had a present time where you had an abundance? And then how many of you have ever had a present time where you didn't have an abundance? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Paul says, I know how to abound in, with or without. I know, how to, I know how to be thankful and worship God in, in all situations. And he says, so he says uh, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. So Paul says this, when you have abundance, bless those that don't have an abundance, so that when you have a need, that the others in abundance can take care of your need. You see how it works? This is a storehouse. This is a, this is a, a place where we bring our offerings and our tithes to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you, and right now I have this, and I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to trust you. And then and the Bible says that in your time of need, that what? There'll be something there when you have a need. It says, as it is written, here Paul, Paul uses this as a reference to the Old Testament. He says, as it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. And whoever gathered little had no lack. Now, what's he talking about here? He's talking about this, is when the, when the, when the, the bread fell out of the sky, the manna, in the Old Testament, God said this. He says, you only get what you need for the day. How much was they to get? You only get what you need for the day. And what happened to those that went and gathered too much? He said, the worms ate every stinking bit of it. And God was trying to show the people of Israel that you trust me day by day by day by day. And I'll take care of you day by day by day by day. 
And every time we get a pay, uh, every time we get paid, we are tested by the prosperity test. Are we giving to God? Are we being stewards with what we have left over? Are we giving when God says give? When we see somebody in need, are we ministering to their needs? I've given up lots of I've had money so times so many times to do other things that I wanted to do that God said no. And I'm not talking about needs. I was well fed, obviously. You know, I, every, my, I had a house, I had a vehicle, but I'm talking about, you know, like I wanted a, 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 some new eras or a new, you know, when the one I had would work. You know, I'm, when it comes, I'm spoilt as I'll get out. I actually told Daddy the other day, I said, you know, I think hunting was easier when I was a kid and didn't have anything because I didn't have near as much junk to haul to the woods. You know, you, you're like, dude, I got this pack and I can't find anything. And uh, my brain's going out. I can't keep up with all this stuff. But uh, we can trust God with the rest. And then the last thing I want to share with you is this, is giving reveals our heart. 1 John 3, 17 through 18, and I just said this, but, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? In other words, if you can walk by somebody in need and not help them, it's questionable if you got Jesus in your heart. It's questionable if the Spirit of God resides in you. It says, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. In deed and in truth. Man, I pulled a dead gum nasty worm out of a cat's head last night. Now, I ain't going to show the picture. Everybody be running out of the church. But, you know, I just, I mean, I don't even think we realize even, the, even the, the simple ways that God changes our hearts. I mean, honestly, 10, 15 years ago, I got a 22 rifle that would have cured that cat and that worm. But, but I, as, as truly, as I begin to see God and, and I see his love for, for, not, for just the world, I'm like, man, I don't like to see anything suffer. I don't, I don't like to see anything going pain needlessly. And I'm like, goodness. And we're actually taking our time, this, this kitten that just showed up on my porch. You know, I've already been heartbroken by one cat. Y'all remember, y'all remember, uh, what, no, what was his, her name? It was Cindy Lou because it was the cat that changed the Grinch heart of mine. You know, we were, it was Christmas time. We were watching the Grinch. And you know the part where he falls and his heart changes and it grows three sizes? Well, they said, look, Dad, you're a Grinch and you're letting us keep this cat. We're going to name this cat Cindy Lou. And then obviously it wasn't Cindy Lou. It was a Curtis. We found out later. <laughs> but, <laughs> but Curtis, Curtis just showed up and I began to have affections for this cat. And uh, one day he, he got the same thing that this kitten had. He got a worm in his, in his arm. And he, he was limping. And he tried to cross the road and he got run over. And I took offense to it. I'm like, really? I loved you and you're going to go off and commit suicide. Man, that's, not, that's messed up. So I thought, well, I'll never give my heart to another cat. And then this kitten shows up. And I'm like, ugh, it's so little, man. It's probably, what, five, six weeks old? And Christy's, Christy's out there bottle feeding it. Oh, and just to see Cammy. Cammy, just go see Cammy take it under that arm and just sit there forever with that bottle feeding that cat. Just, you know, just compassion for not just people but living things. Because, I mean, just, uh, you know, like deer. I have compassion when I'm eating backstrap. But, but <laughs> oh, if you want to see something, go to Dusty's, Dusty and deer pen. They got, how many, how many fawns y'all got right now? 
about a half dozen. Oh, it's like, man, you're so cute, but I would eat you when you get bigger. <laughs> but I'm just like, how, how can we say? I mean, we say we love God, and we say we have faith. Well, we, don't, we say we have faith, we don't do anything that God tells us to do, and we say we love God, but we don't show any emotion to Him or the people around us. Because you're full of it. You're full of it. You're a liar. The truth is not in you. You need to examine your heart. Listen to what Jesus is telling us in his scripture. Forgiving reveals our hearts in the last scriptures is Matthew 6, 19-21. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Y'all know somebody tried to steal our wire, right, from our power pole to the pavilion? They went and cut both ends. And we thought at first, they're just being jerks. They're just trying to mess our power up. But what we realized is this. They wanted that long, expensive piece of wire that's about 200, 200 feet long. And they cut both ends. And what happened is when they went to pull on it, they realized, Dexter Franks must have done this. It's not in conduit. Now I can't get it out of here. So I just praise the Lord that their day got ruined and they didn't make off of that much wire. So shame on them. Amen? But... Uh, do not lay up treasure for yourselves, it says, but lay up treasure for yourselves in heaven. It says, where, mo- where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. It says, for there, for, for where your treasure is, see, we, we've always said it backwards. That's, people used to say where your heart is is where your treasure is. Not, it says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Does everybody know where their checkbook register is? Heck yeah, they do. If you don't, you really learn to better take care of your finances. But, but most people, they know where that check, you know, me, I know, I know where that checkbook record is, and I know what's in there, like $1.50. <laughs> but, but I know where it's at. But you know what? I, I know this. is I, I, can, I can look in that checkbook, and I can know in good faith and good conscience that I give abundantly to the Lord, and he blesses me abundantly in return. Now, I want, I want you to tell something. I don't, I, don't have, I, don't have, I don't live in a mansion, but I'm happy with what I got. And I really don't want much more, because I'm going to tell you this. The bigger stuff you get, the more maintenance it costs. The more rifles you get, the more rifle cleaning. You know, the bigger the boats, the more clean. You know, so I understand that. That's why I don't want a lot in life. I got, I got my Titan. I want to pay it off. I'm happy with it. I am blessed. I'm good to go. And it's just so, it's so good to know that whatever may occur in my life that God's going to take. It is, it is mind-blowing to watch that man right there. All that he gave up in his life, him and my mother, when we were little kids, to see God blessing them. You see, a lot of times, too, we've got to hang in there and see God work lives. But I'm going to tell you this. If you're a member of this church and you give to this church, I promise you, your lights will be on, you're going to eat, and any immediate needs are going to be taken care of. Why? Because I am liable to you. And we are liable for one another to love each other and to take care of one another. And uh, that's the agreement we live under, under this, under this deal. You see, I'm, God makes promises, and, and, and sometimes I'm kind of the mediator of those promises as a pastor of the church. This is a storehouse. This is where we bring. And, and like I said, each week we are tested in the prosperity test to see, can God trust us with the stewardship of what he gives us? Because what he gives us isn't about us. 
It's about others. It's about loving others. It's about taking care of others. It's about meeting needs. And I'm going to tell you this. I've gotten to where now getting new things ain't as awesome as it used to be, but taking care of people is way more fun than it ever has been. Amen? Bow your head and close your eyes. Father, we come to you today, and we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. God, we thank you for your promises, for your protection, provision, for all the things. And God, I pray that we be a church, Lord, that is not, that we see the truth for what it is. We don't make it about us. We don't make it about the wrong things, but we make it about you, and we make it about your kingdom. And God, I pray that we reside in the word and not the ways of the world. And that we become blessed by it, Lord. Not, and not just so that we can be blessed, but that we can bless others and be usable in your kingdom. And Father God, I pray that you'll bless each and everyone here today. And God, I pray that they will search their hearts and listen to what the word says today. And whatever it tells them to do, that they do it. And they reap the blessings of trusting you. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all have a great day.